Welcome to Translation Confidential. This is Peter Argandizo and Patrick Daly. And today we have the honor of being joined by our colleague and friend, Saul Artiaga. He is the director of SWITS, which is a language services firm in Delavan, uh, Wisconsin. And uh, I have known Saul for what seems like forever. Uh, Saul graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and the language program, and he graduated with one of our early project managers, Tammy DuPage. Um, that's how we met Saul, and Saul was doing interpretation for our firm uh, back then when we were doing in-person interpretation, and he has grown his company into a powerhouse. And I am honored to know him. So welcome. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Peter. Uh, thank you very much, Patrick, for having me here. And yes, um, I'm looking forward to this conversation, you know, and see what uh, we can share about the mainly the interpreting industry and also uh, the, a little bit of history about sweats. That sounds great. Outstanding. We're going to get started with one tiny little news story, and I'm just pulling this out of the sky, Patrick. I just saw it today. Uh, I guess the news sort of came out of Gala, and I guess it's all the rage there. Everybody's talking about a um, a VC. Uh, I think it's an Asian VC that might swoop in and buy RWS, which is crazy because it is the largest player in the language services industry, a company worth over a billion dollars. That could be huge. I mean, amazing. Did you hear anything about that, Patrick, at all? You probably didn't get a chance to see that one yet. or I did a little bit, um, and I wasn't quite sure what to make of it because, like you said, it is the largest language service provider in the world, so to see them potentially getting purchased and getting VC money is just its kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, it is. I can't imagine the size of that deal. So that was courtesy of our friends uh, at Slater, um, uh, Florian and his team there. So why don't we get rolling? Um, Saul, tell us a little bit about your company. Well, um, I can tell you that um, I, I founded a company in 2002, so it's going to be 20 years uh, in the month of June. And <clears throat> I started a company, um, uh, interestingly, having a second job because there weren't too many phone calls or requests that I was receiving. But uh, prior to starting my company, uh, I was a coordinator for interpreter services of accounting, and I was able to, to learn and educate myself about the needs of providing uh, language interpretation, language access, and um, that's how you know, I got my experience. And when I started SWITS, I basically was the, the main interpreter. Uh, Spanish, as you know, is being always in Wisconsin uh, in high demand. So uh, I was able to uh, interpret uh, most of the assignments. And then uh, I also worked with an American Sign Language interpreter because the company was founded in Delavan, Wisconsin, where is the, the home for the Wisconsin School for the Deaf. And um, I think that was also um, uh, very important for SWITS uh, in the sense that uh, we were in geographically in an area where there was a population that was used to use interpreters, professional interpreters, and they were very educated in demanding uh, high-quality interpretation. So uh, I feel that that was also a very uh, good aspect uh, of SWITS uh, being in that location, and I have learned uh, a great deal. 
That's great. So, um, you know, that that's an amazing gift, really. When you have a client base that understands where the bar is in terms of quality, that's really, really important. Um, I, I'm sure that that was really um, beneficial for you when you got started. Yeah, uh, and I just want to emphasize this because I think it's a unique si- situation in the sense that um, uh, as I uh, as you uh, know or may know now, um, you know, the deaf and hard of hearing consumer in the United States knows very well about the rights and language access, and they advocate very well uh, for receiving good services. So uh, it, it, so this was a, a population uh, or a, a community that also, besides knowing, demanded very high standards of service. And that really uh, helped me a lot with the spoken language service because uh, back then when I started, we didn't have certifications for spoken languages yet. Interesting. Patrick, go ahead. I think you have a question for Saul. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very interesting to hear, especially how companies start and how um, a lot of them will start by serving the region that they're located in. And I think that's something that we just talked about. You know, the mega companies at the top of the show, but it's, it's something that they may not care about or they may not consider uh, when they're serving those local markets. So I think that's awesome that you guys are able to to have a footprint there and really be ingrained with the community. Um, so my first question for you, Saul, is you know, tell us a little bit about your background. How would you get into the field? I know um, Peter started in the field because he was buying translation services and he thought this needs to go better. So kind of what's your story and, and how did you get here? Okay. Uh, well, my story, I think, is, and again, I don't know all the interpreters, but I think I know uh, a large amount of interpreters. And uh, I started in the interpreting service um, uh, by accident, put it this way, uh, because uh, I, I was uh, finishing my degree at, at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, and I was looking for work, and then I found these um, this job opening where they were hiring people or they were uh, testing people to see if they could coordinate services in uh, in this county. And actually, the, the, the process was very uh, demanding because they hired linguists from the university to make sure that the, the coordinator had the language skills. So it was tested, interviewed, and I passed. So I was hired as an interpreter coordinator. Uh, then I realized that I, all I had was the language um, because um, my, uh, my background prior to that was not uh, interpreting, and, but I had a strong foundation in Spanish since I was born and raised in Peru. And um, so then I started learning about the, the different services, expectations, uh, all the things that entail to provide good professional services where it's not only about the language, uh, it is about reliability, flexibility, um, com- competitive rates without uh, affecting quality. And uh, I motivated myself uh, to learn more about it, so I started taking more classes, uh, translation classes, interpreting classes. I also 
we went to 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 Arizona to the Agnes Hori Institute for interpreting for legal interpreters, and I start getting trained and getting education from wherever I could find it because back in those days it was very difficult and you had to pretty much buy your dictionaries online or go to to conferences out of state uh, trying to learn from other states that were more advanced in providing language services. So I feel that that, that was my start. In a way, it was self-made interpreter. Uh, however, uh, I was trying to get information and education from wherever I could. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And I know... Um... Peter and I went through well similar things of like, you know, you go through this language path and you're kind of like, okay, how do I get a job now? How do I turn this into a career? And really one thing I, I connected with was, um, you know, having that business acumen is huge as well because you can know the language or languages inside and out, but if you're not able to set up your business in a way that's sustainable, that's, that's not going to get you very far. Yes. And, and, in my opinion, and again, that's my opinion, um, I think that uh, to, to be able to, to sell quality interpreter services, you, you really have to believe in what you are doing uh, because sometimes uh, say salespeople come across as being very superficial and sometimes fake, you know, uh, offering things that are almost impossible. So I think that uh, to me, initially, I've never like sales so uh, but as I was developing this service and believing in what I was doing you know I felt like just presenting the information or presenting the service uh, it was an equivalent as selling the services so just by presenting it I was selling it yeah that's a great point Saul and I think it's a really important one um, uh, my approach or my idea on sales is always that if it starts with the customer in terms of solving a problem, the rest of it just happens automatically. So I yes. think you're you're absolutely right. That's a great point. Um, transitioning a little bit, so I had the pleasure of being at a Elkis meeting with you just recently, um, and we were talking about bigger issues of what's going on in the industry. And one that I thought was really interesting was about some of the inflationary trends. Um, I'm not sure if that's what you would call the number one issue, but let me pose this question to you. What is the number one issue facing your company today? And then I'm going to follow up with your industry. And it could be one and the same problem. What's happening right now with your company? What's the biggest issue you're facing right now? Well, I think that um, I, I'm interpreting as post-pandemic and inflation. Uh, we hear so much news and I think that uh, in the interpreting industry, I mean, this is a reality. Uh, interpreters um, are asking for more remuneration um, and higher rates. And it is understandable uh, because things are costing more money. However, the challenge is that a lot of times the contracts are already established. So um, the, the companies cannot just at any time change the rates. And we have tried to approach some contracts and we are in the works to hopefully uh, get some adjustment. However, it's very difficult because they have their fiscal year. And also uh, in a way it is challenging because they may seek out 
uh, cheaper options that made um, sacrifice quality. You know, um, I remember very clearly um, where for us Spanish interpreters, um, pretty much our rates haven't changed for the past 20 years. In, on the contrary, for Spanish interpreters, community, medical, in many aspects have even decreased. So, and that may be for, um, because we have more uh, Spanish interpreters or because um, companies or service providers are going different routes, such as hiring people who are not certified or um, just bilingual. And also we are facing the reality where uh, remote interpreting um, is a reality. And uh, obviously some customers are now paying by the minute versus in the past they were paying two hour minimum plus travel. So I think it is a reality where whoever would like to stay in this service to reinvent themselves or be creative as to how to continue providing good services at a competitive price because uh, ultimately that is the key, is the quality service. Well, that's great. So, um, you know, it is interesting, isn't it? Like oftentimes people think, you know, when they think of inflationary trends, you know, they only think of the things that we see in the news like gas and food prices, and but it affects every industry. I mean, gas is a huge thing for interpreters, right, because of travel. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that that has an impact. You know, it's 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 interesting. Um, you had also mentioned the pandemic, so I'd love to get your thoughts on that as well. Are you seeing in person tick up? Is is the demand going back up? Like, are you getting trade shows, conferences? Is is that starting to move back up, or would you say that it's still pretty much where it's been, more remote than in person? Yeah. Well, yeah, for Switz, uh, our main customers are government, um, healthcare providers, um, school settings, more community. Um, uh, we don't do a lot of conferencing, interpreting. Um, and so for what I do the most, I feel that it's still uh, remote, uh, has a state to a degree. Uh, telephone interpreting as well, and mainly because of the cost. It is it is more economical, but there are times where the provider requests in person because, uh, I mean, ideally, in person is the best for most of the appointments. Uh, you get all these uh, interactions with people. You, you're able to have a better um, audio of the situation, you might be able to pick up on some cues uh, of body language as to making sure that communication is happening. Um, however, I think that slowly things are going back to on-site interpreting, but not to the point where uh, interpreters would like to, because remember that one thing that providers don't realize is that um, not every interpreter is able to work 40 hours. And a lot of times, um, Many interpreters are freelancers. They don't have uh, either vacation or holidays. So it's really a, a difficult job to, to be a freelance interpreter. Um, it, it is not a difficult, I mean, it is a difficult profession. It's not an easy profession. 
Great. Thank you, Saul. Thanks for sharing that. Patrick, I think you had the next question. Yep. So I get to play good interview repeater since you took the negative question. I'm going to take the positive one. Um, so, so what's, <laughs> yeah. what's the favorite, what's your favorite thing about working in the, uh, the interpretation industry? Uh, for me as a person is to be able to provide uh, language access to people. It, it is really meaningful to be able to understand uh, communication uh, in, in different aspects of life, especially in those uh, settings where are very important, medical, legal, um, educational. Uh, I think it's, it's very rewarding um, as a company. As a person, I feel very fortunate because I'm able to still uh, culture my my culture, my my language, able to to learn the structure and the system of my now home United States because you learn a lot through interpreting and um, also uh, embracing the challenge to be able to to work as a team and to uh, create a team and maintain a team and also um, learn the lessons that you learn along the way because nothing is perfect, you know. So trying is very, uh, that trying I think is one of the things that that I I enjoy the most and also the opportunity to be able to to serve uh, and provide language services. Yeah, that's awesome. As all three of us know, as being in the language service industry, um, you know, you, we've all run into that situation of you see that person who can't understand something because it's not in their language and that, that just look of pure dread because they're so nervous, they're so anxious about it. And then when someone's able to come in and, and solve that problem for them, just the, the quick 180 of like, wow, this is amazing. This is perfect. This is exactly what I needed. So yeah. really taking such a anxiety-inducing uh, situation and really making it comfortable for that person. Yeah, and one of the things that sometimes, uh, and I think that it has been telling to me, is that sometimes people can communicate in the same language, even from the same culture, and not understanding each other. And then uh, interpretation, language access, is a tool of communication. So uh, even if we are doing the interpretation, you know, there might be some gray areas where the message might not come across exactly as uh, the way it was meant because in reality, even it happens when people speak the same language. So just trying to get into uh, the underlining meaning to without sacrificing language register, without sacrificing tone is very challenging. Is is in a, it's, it's an art and that you have to work uh, throughout your life and that in reality you are not going to be able to master it because it's language. I mean, you know, it's unreachable to be able to master something so completely. But that's a really good point, Saul, because, you know, I've had some experience with that even just in my own family. So my, my parents were immigrants from Italy. They came over in the 60s. And just, you know, dealing with their friends and dealing with, you know, my parents over the years, um, you know, there's certain concepts, right? You, you, st- you brought up the points of register and tone, but there's certain concepts that even if you do a masterful job of interpreting, 
there's additional information required, you know, because folks that come over, say, from another country, they may not even understand the concept of health insurance because, of course, the country they came from, well, it's all part of the national health plan. So then you come here and you start to talk about the benefits around insurance and what the deductibles are. The idea of, say, a deductible, what does that even mean? I don't understand. <laughs> Here's my card. So, you know, sometimes there is, I would imagine, there is that gap. And it's a gap in understanding, not because you didn't do a great job interpreting. It's just a gap in understanding, right? Um, yes, I think so. And there, I think there's a lot of, uh, well, the, the way we communicate, it, it is heavy on the culture that we live in or where we grew up. And sometimes there are some uh, some communication cues that are only understood by people within the same culture. And um, so we interpreters do the best that we can. I'm from Peru, and most of the people I interpreted are from Mexico or Central America. Uh, yes, I'm strong in Spanish language, and I have been able to to learn about idiomatic expressions, regionalisms, and I do the best that I can, but... Uh, that's all I can say. I'm doing the mm-hmm. best that I can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Are we going to rock, paper, scissors for the last question, Peter, or do you want it? No, it's you. It's all you. You get the, you get the last. Because I, you know what? I'm going to come up with another one. I already did, and oh, you okay. don't know about it, but it's coming. Always good to have a curveball in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we always like to think of you know people who are trying to break into the industry. Um, so what would be um, your best piece of advice for an interpreter trying to, to break into the interpretation industry? I would say that for, uh, I would say that number one is vocation, uh, doing this for, for the right goals, because it's a very long and difficult career that um, you no one has enough years to master it because language is so huge. So being patient and enjoying the, the, um, the ride is very important because uh, the brain is amazing as to how we can learn, how we can improve and develop skills. So I think that vocation is uh, one thing, uh, commitment, and have reasonable expectations. Before the pandemic and before um, remote interpreting was so popular, there was an expectation where interpreters had to go to hospital at 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. And I remember back in those days, I will call and nobody will wake up. So um, something was very telling. I had an interpreter years later that the hospital said, oh, do you work for sweats? And they said... Uh, and this was in a big city, they said, I remember that it was a snowstorm and we couldn't find any interpreter in the city and here comes all two hours later <laughs> under a snowstorm providing interpreter services. So that was crazy and maybe dangerous at one point, but I felt that, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, felt that I had to provide services. And I think that uh, before pandemic, yes, you had to be more flexible. Now you have language companies remote where you can set up your hours and your time is more flexible in that aspect. But I think that uh, the patience and the vocation is uh, fundamental. You have to have it or otherwise it's going to be a not enjoyable career. That says a lot about you, Saul, um, you know, and how driven you are. And that's a great story. Thanks for sharing that. Um, 
So here's my curveball. So this is a new, I've never asked this question of any of our guests, but you know, I just thought of it. You're from Peru, um, not a country I've visited, and um, I think I'm hungry this morning. So this is why I'm asking this question. So for me, my favorite dish that my mother prepared for me was lasagna. And I, I try, I try to make it. I can never make it as, as well as my mother made it. So that's my favorite dish from uh, my childhood. What is your favorite dish from home? My favorite dish from home is uh, arroz con pollo, which uh, every Latin American country has their own arroz con pollo, but in Peru is with cilantro, a oh, lot of cilantro. Okay. And then we have, and then we eat, uh, and then along with that, you usually have papa a la huancaina, uh, which is, um, it's a sauce made with cheese and with some um, Peruvian hot peppers and obviously over papa because potatoes, we have 365 kinds of potatoes in Peru. That's where potatoes come from. So everything that we eat has a papa. <laughs> potatoes. Yeah. I, you know, Mission Economy, now I'm super hungry. So I'm even hungrier yet. It's, it's, it's morning and I, all I want is chicken and rice with those potatoes that you're talking about. You're, you're speaking my language with potatoes. <laughs> yes, yes. That's really good. Well, we always wrap up, Saul, because we, we cover important topics. We always yes. wrap up with what we think our biggest takeaway is. So as our guest, you get to go first. What is your biggest takeaway? from today? What do you think is the most important point we made? Well, I think that um, that uh, sharing knowledge and communicating uh, what different players in the industry do, to me, is, is, is great to hear that your company is doing this because uh, a lot of times uh, people don't know about this. And now with... Um, being able to reach out to people with podcasts, um, you can you can get a PhD just by listening to podcasts. Put it this way. <laughs> you know? So this is valuable information, and I think that um, it's good that also you have helped me to to think about what I do because a lot of times people don't think what they do, and uh, sometimes you have to stop and think. And I think that this has been a great. 40 minutes to to just focus on what I do and to also learn as I am sharing this information. To me, that's my takeaway. Oh, thank you, Saul. You're welcome. Appreciate that. Patrick, how about you? Yeah, um, it's something Saul mentioned early on, um, and it's, to me, what stood out is how important geography can be for a language service provider because our country is so diverse and even in this, within the same state, just different areas, it can be a very different place. So I think that there's incredible value to working with a language agency that is near you and understands your region, and that's just super valuable. And again, we talked about the huge players at the beginning of the show, but they just kind of seem like a, an empty email address if you contact them or a black hole of information that you really don't know who you're working with. So I think having that personal and geographical element is is really something that can make um, a small or medium-sized business stand out more than this huge corporation. Great. Thank you. For me, the biggest thing was when Saul was sharing the story just a, f a few moments ago about how you know some of the work he does is related to healthcare and how urgent it can be and how dire it can be 
and he got in a car and drove in a snowstorm to get to this appointment because it was important. And I, I think, you know, Saul's right that all too often we don't think about what we do in our industry, how incredibly important it is. You know, you think, oh, well, I'm just translating, you know, this benefits piece for this company. Well, that's important because they're trying to engage with their employees that don't speak English. It's not their first language. And they're trying to communicate all the wonderful things that they're providing as employers or in that healthcare situation or when you're doing the instructions on how to use a very important product. Maybe it's a medical device. Maybe it's a pharmaceutical, you know, a drug. It's really, really important. So I think, um, you know, I, I love what you guys are doing, Saul, and how Thank you're you. basically bridging the gap for thousands of people that need help. Um, and you're making a living doing it, too. So that's, you know, that's that's really good. When you love your work, you know, it's it's never work. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. It was an honor to have you here. And, um, you know, best of luck in the future with your company. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Um, you're very welcome. And thank you for having me. And um, anytime. Great, thank you. So for this episode of Translation Confidential, this is Peter, Patrick, and our guest Saul signing off. <laughs>